Growing up in my house, I was the youngest of four, and I got picked on a lot. Sometimes I would wake up with extreme amounts of makeup on my face, and I would wake up in a dress. And then sometimes my older brother and sister and my other brother would play their favorite game, acting like I didn't exist. Where is Zach? Where is Zach? I don't see him. Do you see him? And they acted like I didn't exist. And one of those siblings is here today. He's sitting in the front row. It's my brother Nathan. So I get to kind of pick on him a little bit. But he is sitting in front like I encourage families to do. So thank you for doing that. Because it's easier to focus when you're sitting up front and to pay attention at how important our gospel reading is today. Before I get into the gospel reading, I just want to... Um, last, last week, about a week and a half ago, people were asking, or a person was asking me, uh, actually it was my beautician or hairstylist, she asked me, with a scissors in her hand, what do you, what do you do? What do you do as a priest? And I'm just kind of sitting there like, you have a very sharp object in your hand. How do I answer this question? You know, what do priests do? And one thing that we do is that we heard in all three readings is we help people either, either open their lives to a life of faith, which is trust, having confidence in God that a God exists. And we also help people see when they're blind because there's so many distractions in our world today. But one thing we do that is totally an honor of being a priest is we get to walk with people as they prepare themselves for the next life. We get to visit people when they're sick in their homes and sometimes go in the hospital and we get to administer the sacrament of anointing of the sick and hear the person's confession as we prepare them for the next life. This past week I was in Green Bay at the diocese and I was doing different things to study how to be a pastor since it would be my last year here and just kind of looking at what does that path look like? And as I was down there, three of our parishioners were actually in the hospital. One was a, a young college student who had surgery. The other one is a young dad who has cancer. And the other one is, an, is a, a mother uh, who is a grandmother now who had a stroke. And to be with the families in those moments. And death has a strange way of putting things in perspective. And Jesus warns us not because he's a jerk or a dictator. He warns us because he loves us just like any parent would warn their child if they're about to do something inappropriate or that's going to hurt them. He warns them. And he warns us. And as I was able to visit with these families as they're looking at their death, going from death into life, one thing that amazed me was the amount of faith that these people had this confidence, this trust in God. And sometimes I think I have a lot of faith, but I was totally moved to how much faith, how much confidence, how much trust they have, especially when they're on their deathbed. You know, seeing somebody who had a stroke, their whole body isn't working, but nonetheless, the family is there to help them keep faith, to honor what their mother did for them. Or to see somebody who is suffering the difficulties of cancer teach me and witness to me about how my suffering has helped me encounter God in a new way. And this particular person told me about he just wishes he would have opened his heart sooner. He's like, I knew I had faith in God, but I wish I would have done it sooner because the love I feel amidst my pain, my exhaustion, is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And I wish so many people would just know this love, know this faith, this trust, this confidence that I have in God.
And you and I also must be prepared. Because we don't know when, you, when we're going to die. You know, and often I hear, hear people say when I invite them to say, participate with something that we offer, whether it's the parish festival or if it's Alpha or if it's taking an hour at the Adoration Chapel, the number one excuse that I hear is, Father, I just don't have enough time right now. I don't have enough time. But for those of us who have lost a loved one, we rarely hear about that person being able to predict when they were going to die. They didn't know how much time they would have just as you and I, we don't know how much time we're going to have before we die. And again, death has a strange and profound way of putting things in perspective. What's truly important in my life? So I want you to think about your lives right now. What is worth your time? What are you giving your time to? And if it's time to volunteer or move forward in your relationship with Jesus, the question is, what are you waiting for? And where are you going? Where is God calling you in your life? Are you heading towards heaven or are you heading away from heaven? It's pretty black and white for you and I. And the question is, do you trust Jesus completely? Is all your faith in him? Does your family reflect that reality? Or do you, like many of us, just need some help, some coaching? Do you need a little boost of encouragement? One thing my brother Nathan does on the side is he coaches people. And he teaches people how to hit baseballs. It might sound kind of strange, but when I was down for uh, the other baby who just walked out of here with his mother, when I was at Silas's birthday, I, he gave me one lesson on how to hit a baseball. And one thing that my brother said, he probably doesn't know this, but he said, I like what I see. And then my chest went up and I was like, oh, do you? Tell me more. I like the confidence, chest out, confidence. And we have to ask ourselves, who is coaching us in our faith lives? Who is your mentor? Who are you an apprentice of? Because so many of us, we don't have somebody walking with us, with us. And if we don't, we have to take that step forward to say, who is your mentor? And I'm not just talking confirmation sponsor, or I'm, and I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about your whole life. Who do you turn to? Who do you talk to? Who has free right to call you out when you're being a you-know-what? And now just imagine if you had someone coaching you and walking with you when your faith is weak. To spread the good news, to pray, and to do what Jesus said to carry your cross. To grow and mature in your relationship with Jesus. So when you're tempted to sin, when you're tempted to choose death over life, you have someone to reach out to and say, I am tempted so badly right now. The temptation is so strong and you could just call them or go to their house or shoot a quick text message so that you don't lose your confidence, your faith, your hope in God. So the question is, well, what do we do? I have an invitation for all of us as we move forward because, you know, if you and I can trust someone with a really sharp object in their hand to cut our hair, we have to have more faith in God who created us, who came to earth. We have to trust him more with everything. 
An image I'd like to give you is just look at, the, at a car. And if that's your spiritual life, in that car, who's in the driver's seat? Who is in control? Are your hands on the steering wheel or is it the Lord's? Are your feet on the brake pedal and on the gas pedal or is it the Lord's? And what happens when you are tempted to to just go over and lose faith and say, Lord, I want to do it my way. But the Lord says, you have to trust in me. I have a plan greater than anything you can ever imagine. And we have to listen to the words of our gospel today. Listen to these words. It says, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father is pleased to give you the kingdom of heaven. Sell your belongings. Give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out. And an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Is your treasure your faith, your trust, your confidence in God? Or, my friends, will our treasures be found in front of a TV screen? Will our treasures be found at a bar? Will our treasures be found by looking at a cell phone 24-7? Or are our treasures found in our garages, in our hunting stands? Or will our treasure be found in the time we placed our faith in Jesus? For if we can trust someone again, if we can trust someone with that sharp object in their hands to cut our hair, why don't we trust Jesus a little more? And maybe you're just tired of same old, same old. And Jesus, doesn't he say in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and take my yoke upon you, for I am meek and humble of heart. Jesus wants to take lead. He wants to take the steering wheel in our lives, and we have to trust him. So my invitation this week is to do something radical, and I'll place them on the altar rail as I leave today. But my invitation is to do something called a novena, and a novena is a nine-day prayer marathon. And one thing I did this week is I reached out on on, on social media, on Instagram, and I said, what helps you gain your faith, people of God? And the first person I I listened to the most was a person who suffered the most. And this person has been through thick and thin. You would, your jaw would drop if you know what this person went through. And this person, what they recommended me to do is they said, do a novena to surrender to the will of God, to know his plan. And that's what I have here. And I will do it too. I'm starting tomorrow, nine days, to place my trust in God even more, to surrender everything back to him again. Because as soon as I think I've surrendered everything to Jesus, he says, What about that one thing? And my intention for this is for all of us to get a mentor, to get a coach, for somebody to walk with us so when we are so tempted to lose our faith, to throw in the towel, to quit, we don't quit. Because Jesus, I trust in you. We say those words when we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So let us place our trust in Jesus, our faith in Jesus, because if he gives himself to us fully on this altar... And we come down and receive him, truly him, body, blood, and soul, divinity. He placed that must trust in you.
Why not trust in him? Let us take a step and and make an act of faith by praying this nine-day novena. I have a hundred copies. My hope, my hope is that they are all gone by the time this church is empty. Amen.